0: You're listening to the City Hope Church Podcast. We want to thank you for joining us today, and we hope this can inspire you and build your faith. Enjoy the message. How are we doing, church? You doing good? Good to be in church this morning. Welcome to church, and uh, so glad that you're here. If I haven't got the chance to meet you, my name's Noah, and uh, I'm the lead pastor here. We're so excited that you spent... This beautiful, uh, sunny day with us in church, and so I promise I'm not going to keep you too long, because I know you're probably wanting to enjoy some of this beautiful weather, and so we're so excited that you're here. I want to look into the camera really quick and say hello to all of those who are joining us online on the other side of that screen. You are a part of our church family. Church, would you make them welcome? Put your hands together and make them welcome. I like that a little woo, yeah, yeah, I, that's why I, I need some of that this morning, and uh, it's, a, it's a great day. Uh, I Before we get into our message uh, today, I do want to remind you, I'm going to remind you all the way until Easter that Easter is coming up, and I can't wait uh, for that, and the main reminder that I need to give you is that this service is at 10 a.m. It's not at 11, so if you show up at this time on Easter you'll be catching the final words of my message, and we will be closing up shop. And so Easter is at Riverside Park, and we are so excited about this. Our team has worked so hard on this. We're excited because we're, we're getting some uh, print material uh, coming in, and all, we, we got all kinds of stuff. Listen, we, we're going to have specialty coffee, cold brew coffee drinks for you out there. We got donuts, not just donuts, everybody. Uh, a better type of donut, which is a donut hole. You know, yeah, yeah, there's that's, that's a woo that I'm looking for. Uh, donut holes are just far superior than regular donuts. And so, and they're from Krispy Kreme, everybody. Hallelujah. The hot light is back on and open. The Lord has come back. And uh, it is great. It's beautiful. So we called them like the first day we were open. We're like, we need like 600 donut holes for Easter. And so anyway, they're, they're going to be here at 6 a.m. They're frying them up and ready for us in that morning. So join us for Easter. I tell you, I tell you all that because uh, I'd love for you to invite somebody with you. We're creating a space uh, that I think is going to be incredible on Easter Sunday. And uh, Easter is one of those Sundays that when you ask or invite somebody to go to church, you, you have got a very good chance that they will say yes. It's the one service uh, that everyone, uh, through your best chance throughout the year to invite someone. And uh, more than the Krispy Kreme donuts, though, and I know there's <laughs> more, more than the donuts, uh, man what a gift would it be to give someone uh, the gift of Jesus uh, through this through this whole season and I, I promise that as you uh, as you invite people to this service that we've promised to honor your time uh, to be with you and I will do my best to lead them to Jesus and I just think that would be the best thing the uh, best gift possible for Easter. And uh, I'd love to lead in that way. And we are going to celebrate. I'm praying and believing that many lives are going to be changed and healed and delivered after that service. You got it, church? And so I am so excited for Easter, 10 a.m. Oh, and for your kids, by the way, 3,000 eggs that are currently stacked up in my home office that I am ready to get rid of. So we're getting 3,000 eggs, a VR, all kinds of great prizes. Uh, That's all happening after service. Invite some people with you join us for Easter. We are in part number four. It's hard to believe we're already in part four of this teaching series that we've called Jesus for the People, Uh, and I'm excited about today's message. In fact, if this is your first time with us, you picked a great weekend because this whole message series was based around this one message, and so I had this message in my heart to give you, and I waited until week four because I had to wait for you to come back to church after spring break. And so I wanted to make sure that everybody could hear this message. And no, I'm, I'm actually just kidding. Attendance has been better. We've actually broke attendance records, which is pretty awesome. And so uh, so y'all didn't, apparently you didn't leave us for spring break or you came back and forth or you left on different weekends. So thanks for still coming to church during that weekend. But I did I did strategically wait for this message until later in the series because I wanted everybody to hear it because. This is one of my uh, one of my favorite messages that I think uh, I've ever brought. And uh, before I give you the title or tell you where we're going, uh, this series has been all about understanding Jesus and the characteristic or the characters and the personalities of Jesus and who he is. It's important for us to understand that, especially as we go into uh, this Easter season. We need to understand. Uh, who Jesus is. And I told you last week that sometimes we all have some misconceptions about who Jesus is. Some of us, we all have a different picture of Jesus in our head. I told you last week, sometimes my picture of Jesus is like with him, like carrying like a young lamb, you know, with a little halo over his head. I don't think that that's what he did all the time. I think that would get very tiring. Like we all have these ideas of, uh, or pictures of who Jesus is. And honestly, a lot of our ideas are not necessarily based on what scripture has to say about him. In fact, uh, we've talked about the last couple of weeks that Jesus lived in the same mean-spirited and divisive world that we live in today. He lived in a culture that's very similar to ours. And yet, even though he did that, even though he lived during that time, he still brought the anxious people comfort. He still brought people healing. He brought uh, people who were sad joy. He he did all these amazing things in the similar culture that we live in uh, today. He showed up. Jesus just showed up in our lives. And that's why we've talked about, uh, that's why this series is titled Jesus for the People, because I really do believe that he was and still is, by the way, for the people. Our theme verse comes from Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. It says, Jesus went all through the towns and villages, teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. And the verse goes on to say that when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Why? Because they were, he saw that they were harassed and helpless. They were like people without a shepherd. You say, well, what is this verse saying? Well, this verse is saying that he cares. And I, I've told you every week that I'm just convinced that that wasn't only for that time. But I, I believe that during this time, I believe that Jesus looks down at our church today. I believe that he sees the crowd that's here. And my belief is that he still has compassion on you. And he would love to touch your life in such a way. He is for you. He is with. He wants to be with the people. And he cares. He just, he, he simply Cares. And so that's what we've been talking about over the last several weeks. Uh, this week, I want to talk about uh, a topic, again, that hits close to home. I'm really titling this message, Jesus is my best friend. Jesus is my best friend. Emily reminded me, actually, of a video uh, on YouTube. There's a, after the first service, we all came up with, there's a lot of songs that are out there about Jesus being your best friend. There is actually this funny song on YouTube that is, uh, Jesus is a friend of mine. I have a friend. In-. And obviously, you guys haven't seen the video. It's just absolutely hilarious. You're going to have to watch the video. But we sing, we, we sing songs about this, that Jesus is our, is our friend. Uh, there's, there's a song, what a friend we have in Jesus. You know that song? Or am I just gonna sing to myself? You know, I, I gotta have you joy. All our sins in Christ. I don't know the words. What a privilege to carry everything to God. And our pastor used to go everything to God. Like he would, you know, you remember? He'd get into it in prayer. What a fr- anyway. I, yeah, I go verse two on you. Yeah, get ready. No, there's a, there's lots of great songs about Jesus being our friend, but. What I, what I recognize is that although we, maybe some of us we've sang the songs all of our life, but we really haven't come to know him as friend. And, uh, and that's a, this an interesting trait and, and characteristic of Jesus is the fact that he does want to be our friend. Jesus wants to relate to you personally, but some of us, uh, for some of us, it's really hard to understand, because how can, how can God relate to us personally? And the best way I felt like I, I can do to describe that to you, uh, is to tell you a little bit about how, how we how we relate to each other's friends. If you have a really good friend or best friend, uh, it's po- it's quite possible, and pro- you probably have a nickname for them. anybody ha- anybody just have a nickname for like everybody? You, you know, like yeah. Some of y'all, yeah, you love nicknames. I love nicknames. I'm a huge fan of nicknames. Uh, I, <laughs> I there's I, in fact I was again talking to talking with Emily a little bit about this about nicknames, and she she asked me the other day. She said. Noah, why do you, why do you always, all, every time you're around your guy friends, why do you always call them ladies? Because I'm, I'm, I'm always just like, anytime I'm, I'm with somebody that I'm close to, I'm like, what's up ladies? You know? And that's just like, and, and it's not, it's not a diss or anything. It's just like that, the, you know, if I, if I say, hey, what, what's up ladies to you, you know that we're close everybody. I'm like, we're close. And she's like, why do you even say that? It's just a, it's a nickname. It's something that it brings us closer together. That's what nicknames do. They bring you close to that person. I mean, you're not just walking up to random strangers. And like saying like what's up nugget you know like (laughs) at least I I hope you're hope you're not randomly doing that to people that would that would uh, confuse them a lot and so (laughs) you know we you don't just give random people nicknames you 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 give them to your friends people who you are close to and oftentimes nicknames describe people better I mean I remember um, being in Tulsa I remember this guy his nickname was Shorty and you can imagine why his nickname was Shorty because he was sure right like that, that's that's the deal in fact that was a that was a nickname made by a man by the way and i i found out that don't men just give like the worst nicknames like they are the worst creators of nicknames i was thinking about this uh, somehow men get away with this and ladies can't like if if you're if, if if a group of ladies go to lunch say you got like Sally, Martha and Susan they they don't they just are Sally, Martha and Susan well, when guys go to lunch, if it's like Chris, John, and Mark, it's like Scrappy, Godzilla, and Ugly. You know, like, that's, that's their name. <laughs> For whatever reason, like, that's what, that's, that's what guys do. And so, hey, but a, a, a nickname, what does it do? It brings you closer to that person, and it describes your relationship. It describes the type of relationship that you have. And I'm, I'm here to tell you today that Jesus had a given name. His given name is Jesus. In fact in Matthew chapter 1, we see that the angel says you'll give birth to a son and you're to give him the name Jesus because he'll save people from from their sins. So that was his given name and in fact Jesus was probably a common name in that culture. It's still Jesus is a common name in some cultures still today. And so he had this he had this given name. That was that was his name, but in Matthew, another verse it says this, it says the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. You say, well, what are they doing here? Well, they essentially (laughs) nicknamed Jesus. And and not not necessarily to maybe what we would think about today, but they gave him another name because it describes him better. It tells tells us a little bit more about who God is. It brings us closer to him and describes that relationship better. Emmanuel. Emmanuel. God with us. You know, one of the most unique characteristics back then when, when, this, when Jesus would have came to this earth is that not, not, just, not only is it special that Jesus would come to earth to die for them and for us, for our sins, but they were literally celebrating that now God was becoming so much more to them. It was so much more because back in their culture, God was just a, literally a faceless being In the temple, basically in a box in the temple. So they really didn't, they didn't really have an idea. Or, an understanding of what a person, what a, what a God become flesh type of person would be, because they knew that they had to go to the temple, they had to do all these ritualistic things just to even get close to God who would dwell in that one spot in the temple. So, for Jesus to come and for his name to be Emmanuel, meaning God with us, all of a sudden, that changes the landscape for things. Because now, what in the world does God with me look like? And I tell you that today because that's not just the, I'm convinced that that's not just the problem that they had in their culture. You know, their culture, they just saw the faceless, they they saw the faceless God. They they didn't know what God was like. They, They didn't know him as Emmanuel. They didn't know him as close. And really, a lot of us, if we're honest with ourselves today, we still don't know God as Emmanuel. We still don't know. We still call him by his real name. We, we... So there's so many Christians who have never known him as Emmanuel, as God with us, as, as the God who wants to be up close and personal. God with us. That's a close and personal thing. And that's why I'm titling this message, Jesus is my best friend, because it's, it's an up-close and personal type of thing. John says it like this: says that the word became flesh. So all they had before Jesus was these stone tablets that they wrote on, that, they, that, that, that it, was, it was the word of, that's all they had. But all of a sudden, John says, it became flesh, and he made his dwelling among us. Listen, I'm, I, what I'm, what I'm going to show you today is that Jesus didn't just come to teach on a hillside to us. Jesus didn't just come to give us some more instructions, some more words to follow. Jesus also didn't just come just to pay for our sins. He's so much more than that. In fact, do you know that Jesus spent the majority of his life not doing those things? The majority of Jesus' life was not healing people. It was not teaching on a hillside. It It was not the Sermon on the Mount. No, he didn't even start doing that side of Jesus until he was about 30 years old. Think about that for just a moment. He didn't start teaching, healing, preaching until he was about 30 years old, and he only spends about three years doing it. Instead, from birth to 30, he spent his life doing something different. You know what he was doing? He was just experiencing life, the life that probably also familiar to us that you and I know. He was just experiencing the life that many of us know. And as far as we know, there are no recordings of him healing anyone. There's no miracles before that age of 30. In fact, we read the last message that I brought you last week was about the first miracle that Jesus did where he turned water into wine. We read that story. That was about when he was 30 years old. Before that, there's no record of him doing anything else. So that means for the first 30 years, you know what he was doing? He was just being a human. He was just... Like, a, he was a person. And I think for some of us, it's hard for us to think that. He was just going through life, experiencing everything there was to know about life so that he could, in turn, relate to you. He wanted to experience it so that he would one day be able to relate to you. And he spent most of his life, if you really think about it, Jesus probably spent most of his life as a carpenter. He was pro- he probably picked up his dad's trait. And he, his, imagine Joseph as a carpenter. He was probably in the wood shop working on some things. He was uh, listen, Jesus had to deal with customers everybody. <laughs> like he had to he had to deal with people. That before he ever preached, before he ever taught anything, before he ever healed anyone, before he died on the cross, he just lived life. He was just a person. He just lived life. In fact, look at this verse from Hebrews chapter 2. I'm read in the message because I like how it describes it. It says, that's why he had to enter into every detail of human life. So he enters into every detail. You say, well, why did he wait until 30 to get started? So that he could experience that human life. That when he, came, that when he would go before God one day as high priest to get rid of the people's sins, He would have already experienced it all himself. He wanted to experience what you and I would go through on a day-to-day basis. He wanted to experience the pain, the testing, and because he's, and here's my message to you today. Because he's experienced it, he's now able to help us when we're in need. And that is what makes our God unique from every other God. is the fact that Jesus would come and experience the life that you would live. And because he's experienced, now he's qualified to help us in our area of need. He wanted to make sure that when you prayed, that when you talked to him, that when you come to him, that he would understand what you're going through. It was that important to him. It was important enough for him to just live it out. And the problem is, is that many of us, we let religion stand in the way. We let other people's ideas of Jesus stand in the way. And so we don't see Jesus like that. We only see the Jesus who is on the cross. We only see the Jesus who's at the right hand of God in heaven. And those are beautiful pictures of Jesus. And I'm not not disqualifying those pictures of Jesus. Those are all important for us to understand. But I also want you to, I'll say this, you need to see him not just as those things, but you also need to see him as the friend, as the one who understands, as Emmanuel, the God who is with us, the God who's close to us. You know, when, when we talk about this idea that Jesus went through all the pain and testing, I was thinking about this. You know, when you, when you go to try to sympathize with somebody who's maybe going through something that's hurting them, your level of comfort that you can give them is, can, can only go up to the same degree that you've experienced it yourself. Meaning that if you haven't experienced what someone else is going through, it's hard for you to sympathize with them. It's hard for you to comfort them just because you just, quite frankly, You just don't understand. And so if you, I'll give you an example. So if you go up to someone who has cancer, but you've never had cancer, and a lot of us say, well, I I really feel for you. And that's a great thing to say, but you really don't. You really have no idea what that person is going through because you haven't had it. But I will say this, if you've gone through chemo, if you've lost your hair, if you've had the treatments, there is another level that you can go to to comfort them, to minister to them, that you bring an amount of sympathy and understanding. It takes it to a whole new level. I've had just in the last couple of years, I've, I, I, I never had someone that I knew personally die of cancer. In the last couple of years, I've known a couple people who people who have died of cancer. And now when I'm able, it actually, I tell people all the time that it actually helps me pastor people better, because I can say I know the pain. I can look at the family and say, I, I understand the pain that you're going through. Because I was there not long ago. I understand it. There's a, there's a deeper understanding that I have because I know that. And can I say the same way, this is what Scripture is what scripture's trying to teach us about Jesus. That there's absolutely nothing in life that you'll go through that Jesus hasn't already gone through. And that he, do- he understands it all because he went through all the pain and the testing so that he could relate. You understand that? I think that's an amazing part about who Jesus is. And that's what he was doing on this earth. And I I think for the first 30 years of his life that we really don't know anything about, that he was, before he ever taught anything, before he ever healed, preached, shared, died, before he ever did any of that, he was just living and just going through stuff. And so now he understands what we go through. And so I want to give you three things. I, I mean, I could give you... I could go, story, I could give you 25 things that Jesus understands, right? I only have time to give you three this morning. But three things that Jesus understands that I think honestly will help us. I just ask the Lord, what would, just, what would help our congregation this morning? What do people need to hear? And I, I, hope, I, I hope that as you see this, I, I hope it helps you to know him personally, know him as a friend. Here's the first one. If you're taking notes, you can write this down, that Jesus understands relationships He understands relationships. Think about this for just a moment. Jesus had a family. (laughs) He had a family. Many of us we don't like to, we don't even think of we somehow we just think that anyway, he had a family, everybody. In fact, in Mark chapter 6, it tells us they say, Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't this Mary's son? And the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us too? And in fact, this is, this is the only place in scripture where we get the name of Jesus's, I like to, they say it's Jesus's brothers. It really is, to give you an idea, it really is Jesus's half brothers, right? Because it's not, it, Mary and Joseph, after Jesus was born, Mary and Joseph, of course, got together and had kids. And so he has these half brothers. And then it says, aren't these his sisters too, plural, which is indicating that he has more than one sister. So to, so to keep it on the safe side, Jesus at least has six siblings here, right? I mean, he, he, he's, got, he's got six siblings. He's got a, Jesus has a family. And so he understands the dynamic of family. He understands the dynamic of relationships. And anyone, if you have some siblings, you understand that Jesus probably at some point in his life had to be duct taped to the back of a chair at one point. You know what I mean? Like he probably had some sibling rivalry. I, I, can you imagine? I was just thinking about this. Can you imagine being Jesus's brother or sister? That would be a very interesting dynamic, right? Like, like like, they probably, they had the same everyday life issues, but you're just having those life issues with the son of God. You know, like this is, this is the man who knows everything. He, like, he, like, 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 can you imagine, like Jesus's brothers probably came to Mary and said, Hey. Mom, Jesus told me everything that I'd ever done again, and he wasn't even there to see it, you know, right? Like, <laughs> can you imagine? Like, Jesus, the biggest tattletale. He's just telling the truth. Like, <laughs> imagine the dynamic. He had that dynamic. He had the dynamic of a family. Take it a step farther. Think about this. Jesus knows what it's like to be single. He knows what it's like. To, he was, the Bible says that he was tempted at all points. So he knows what it's like. He understands what it's like to be attracted to someone. He's tempted at all points. And you say, well, Pastor Noah, I I got you on one thing. Jesus was never married. He has no idea what it's like to be married to my spouse. (laughs) You know, like, he has no clue. I got you, Pastor. No, that's not the case. Because the Bible actually, think about this. He does know what it's like to be married. Because the Bible describes him as the groom and his church as the bride. So he, he does have an idea of what it's like to be married because we are his bride, the Bible says. And not only that, can I take it a step further for you? Not only does he know what it's like to be married, but he also knows what it's like for his spouse to be unfaithful. Because the church hasn't always been faithful to him. He knows. He knows. He knows what it's like. I've taken another step. He knows what it's like to have friends, to have good friends that betray him. And the moment moment that Jesus would go to the cross... His best, one of his best friends. In fact, it's right. The one it's wrote in the gospels. The one that I love the most, Peter. Peter would deny his best friend. Jesus would deny him three separate times, and say, "I don't know who this man is." His best friend would betray him. He knows what it's like. Now, listen. Those things aren't in scripture just for great drama and some fun things to read. No, he wanted us. I. I God wants us to understand that he knows the feeling. He knows what it's like to have a friend betray him. And the Bible even describes that his, that his natural brothers and sisters, that his natural family, at one point, they thought that he was literally out of his mind. They say when his family heard about him healing and teaching and preaching, they went to take charge of him, and they said he's out of his, he's out of his mind. Can you imagine like, for many of us, like, if no one else in the world believes in you, if you just have your family to believe in you, that's enough, ain't it? Like, you just need, sometimes you just need your mom or dad or brother or sister, whatever it is. Like, if you ever needed someone to believe in you, you'd think it'd be your family. Can you imagine what Jesus felt like when they said he's, he's out of his mind? Like, don't you remember? Like, I can't, how could, He understands. He understands what it's like. He understands your relationships. Here's the second thing. Jesus understands life. He understands life. He understands what some of you will do tomorrow morning when you wake up and get dressed and go to work. He understands it. You say, well, how does he understand that? Because it's it's very likely that Jesus had a job, (laughs) that he did (laughs) that I, Jesus did not just sit around for 30 years and wait to, to start healing people and do miracles. Like that's, he, he likely had a job. And you know, you, know, you know what bugs me about religion so much is that we have painted a picture of Jesus in our mind so far off from who he actually is. Think about this. If a man spends 18 years of his life likely as a carpenter, as working, wouldn't it make more sense? If he he did that more than anything else he did, wouldn't it make more sense that the pictures the artists would draw with Jesus, that they wouldn't be of him as just like this perfect milky white, beautiful skin, and this awesome white robe? Which, by the way, the white robe has never made sense to me because My white clothes have never gotten near as close as white as Jesus' robe is in some pictures that I see. Like, how could he keep that white robe not dirty, right? Like, all my white stuff, it got lint and all kinds of junk on it at home. Anyway, can you imagine? Like, I'm just telling you, these pictures aren't exactly how we think about it. He was, we think about it as as him in that robe and and the blue sash for whatever reason, you know, like, however, however we figure this out. But really, like, Jesus was, you know, I, I'm just t- talking about a modern day. Like, if he was a modern day carpenter, he'd be in jeans, a T-shirt, and, like, a, he'd have a tool belt around his waist. Like, that's who that's, <laughs> like that's, that's, he was. Like, that's, he was tough. And think about this. He was a carpenter in the day where they didn't have a nail gun. They didn't have a power saw. Like, he was a, like, he was a, he, he was tough. And some of us, uh, like I think, I think as a man, sometimes we think that Jesus was just like this little gentle, soft spoken type of guy. Like, that's not who it was. he was. He Jesus likely had to deal with upset customers, probably people who didn't pay him or pay him fairly for his work, right? I mean, just think about this. He paid taxes, he lived in a bad economy. Like, it was all on purpose. Just as important as the preaching and as the teaching and as the healing. I'm not trying to take anything away from that today, but I do want, I want you to understand that there is this other part of Jesus for us to study and understand, that Jesus was a man. He was human. The Bible says that for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness. He's able to sympathize with us. We have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are And what makes him the son of God is the fact that he wasn't just human. He didn't fall into his temptations. Every time that he was tempted, he was still without sin. I'm just trying to help you relate to him better. I think it's important really for us to understand this because when you really begin to understand who he really is, I think that you'll talk to him different. I think you'll treat him different. I think you'd love him differently if you just understand him as a friend. I think you'd worship him differently if you understood Jesus as a friend. Everything is different when you see him for who he really is. Here's the third one, is that Jesus understands pain. He understands pain. Some of you are in some very real pain. And I don't just want to talk about physical pain today, but I want to talk to you about A pain that can be even more than, hurt worse than physical pain, which is emotional pain. That can be some of the worst pain out there. I want you to see, I want you to see and understand this verse in Isaiah chapter 53. This was prophesying who Jesus would be. Isaiah says that he, Jesus, was despised and rejected by men. You want another nickname for Jesus? Emmanuel, God with us, that's a nickname. Another nickname is a man of sorrows. He was familiar with suffering. And just think about it for just a moment. This kid, this was this baby who was born to a mother who wasn't married. Can you imagine on the playground as Jesus as a kid? All the moms saying, that's him, right? That's the one. They weren't even married. Can you, can you imagine the talk that he went through? And I wanted to just take a moment. I just felt like I needed to take a moment in this message to just stop and acknowledge kind of all the young people in the room. Because I feel like a lot of times this is what a lot of young people go through. They feel despised and rejected. And some of the worst times, I'm actually convinced that some of the worst times this happens is when you're in junior high and high school. Because there is just something that happens where you feel like you can be despised and rejected by your peers. And there's nothing worse than that feeling. I personally experienced it in high school. I remember my first day of high school. I was, it was, I grew up, I went to a I went to a Christian school all the way through eighth grade. When I went to high school, I had to go to a public high school. It was a, the greatest greatest fear of my life, which sounds really silly, but to give you an idea, I graduated as a class of two in the eighth grade. So it was me and one other kid. When I went to high school for the first day, when you get to high school, everyone else has already known each other. There's not like a lot. There's not new kids coming into high school. I was the only new kid in my class coming into coming into freshman year. Well, and in high school, by that time you get to the freshman year, you've already kind of, everybody kind of already has their cliques and circles and friend groups. And so I was just always the odd one out looking for somewhere to fit in. I remember coming home that first day of high school, bawling, saying that I did not want, I was never going back to school again. I wasn't getting on the bus. I would, I wasn't going again. I felt, I literally, I mean, I the closest thing that I think I've ever felt was was there in high school where I felt despised and rejected. And I, I, tell you, I tell you that story and I tell you this about Jesus because for you young people, and, and, and maybe it's not just you young people, but for whoever feels despised and rejected, you know, it sure is nice to know that the Son of God, the one who was his name is above every other name, he went through it too he had the he went through the same emotional trauma i mean just the hurt he was despised and rejected and i just wanted to take this part of the message and just dedicate it to every person who maybe they you you've you've been hurt you felt like i mean i remember being in high school i felt like as you can see i am not athletic i felt like i was not athletic enough i felt like i was not smart enough i felt like i didn't have the right last name to fit in like all of these things like and i'm just it's comforting to know that Jesus fell in the same category. That he was despised. I mean, the people that he, the people that he came to save, the people, the Jewish people who had, who had they had waited for the Son of God for thousands and thousands of years. The people who were supposed to accept him, his people didn't even accept him. He was despised, he was rejected, he was a man of sorrows. That means that he probably did some crying, too. He was, uh, it, it was an emotional thing. And you say, well, well why, why is that important, Pastor Noah? It's, it's so that the next time that you would go through that, the next time that we would go through that, he knows and he understands. And That's just the emotional part. That's just the emotional pain. But think about the physical pain. Jesus was crucified, literally. So picture this. He was nailed to a tree. And before he was even nailed to a tree, he was stripped of his clothes. He was beaten, spat on. They whipped him with this thing called the cat of nine tails, which literally would had glass and all the... It would literally pull the skin off your back. That's why it's the scripture says... That he had stripes, he took the stripes on his back because it was literally stripes, it would look like strips of skin pulled off your back. I'm actually convinced that Jesus came, uh, came to this earth in the worst time in like capital punishment history. Where people, I mean this was, we don't, we don't know what physical pain is compared to this. We have no idea, and, if I, and I just think it's amazing because of all the times that Jesus could come to earth. Like, if Jesus would come to earth today, what's the worst that would happen? Like, he would lethal injection, you know? <laughs> like that would that would be. But he came where pain. I mean, he experienced an excruciating amount of pain. Why? Because there's no pain that you would go through that he wouldn't understand. He understands the pain. So the next time you have a headache, the next time you get sick, next time you feel like you can't make it, listen, He's not just a faceless God that doesn't understand. He's not just, someone, he's not just a God who's looking down and judging us. He understands. He's experienced the pain. He knows what you're going through. Isaiah 53.5 says He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities, and the punishment that actually brought us peace was upon him, and that by his wounds, in other translations, it's where it says, by his stripes were healed. He went through that torture so that we could understand, and I'm just, I say all that to say this today, that, that because of that, Jesus qualifies to be your best friend and what i desire more than anything else this morning is that you would begin to come to know him in that way come to know him as the friend in fact there's am when i read you this verse it's a prophetic verse about jesus and then i'm going to close it up it says this it says a man he was a man of many uh, com, companions a man of sorry it says a man of many companions may come to ruin but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother what are you saying, Pastor Noah? Well, it, it, it says that you might, you're going to have a lot of companions, <laughs> and they're going to let you down. But there is one. There is one, Jesus. And one of the traits that I love most about Jesus is that he can be our best friend. And I just, I hope I hope you can make him that today. And so you say, Pastor Noah, how do I do that? What's my response? Well, I'll give you the response. Three really quick, simple things. Number one, All I'm asking you to do today is would you make Jesus your best friend? I know that kind of sounds kind of sounds funny and simple, but would you would you do it? I'm asking you like to friend Jesus on Facebook, basically, is what I'm what I'm asking. Like change your relationship status is what I'm asking you to do. Would you make him your friend? And so (laughs) it's kind of funny. Like, like, but seriously, would you would you friend him? Would you know him as a person, as someone who's close to you? Because some of you just know him as this faceless God. And you know him just as someone to go to when something wrong happens. But he's so much more than that. I mean, know him, love him, talk to him. Jesus literally says, I didn't have have time to bring you this scripture today, but I'll, I'll give you the paraphrase of it. Jesus says that at the end of this time on earth, that there will be scores of people who only knew him on this like Sunday morning kind of flow type of thing, meaning that they, they did the religious thing. He literally says in Matthew chapter seven that, that one day you'll come before God and there will be a lot of, there'll be scores of people who will come before God and they'll say, I, I did this, I did that. I tithed every week. <laughs> I, uh, I went to church every week. I served on serve day, <laughs> right? Like I, I did it. I did all these things for you. And in Matthew 7, it says that God will look back at him and say, I never knew you. I never knew you. That word to, to know, Genosco, means to know someone intimately. It literally is the same thing, the same word that's used from when in the chapter of Genesis, it says Adam knew his wife Eve and they had a son, right? Like they knew each other intimately. What God desires for you is for you to know him and to have that closeness with him, that, fr- that I'm, gonna be, I'm gonna be your best friend. And the goal of this message today is for you to know Jesus like that. To know him as Emmanuel, the one who's close, the one that's up close and personal. And Jesus, Jesus already thinks that about you, by the way. He already thinks of you as a friend. He says, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Meaning that basically, a lot of people see God as like, Like they see themselves as like just a pawn in like God's master plan. Like Jesus is just kind of playing chess with us. Like he's just moving the right pieces around. That's not what it is. You're not just some servant to God. No, instead he says, I have called you friends for everything that I have learned from my father. I've made it known to you. He wants to be your friend. And listen, if he understands relationships, if he understands life, if he understands work, if he understands pain, then my second thing I'm going to ask you to do is would you talk to him? Would you just talk to him? (laughs) And I might offend some people here, but I'll say this. It doesn't always have to be this formal, educated prayer that you pray every day. Like, now I lay me down to sleep. Like, hey, everyone, he knows that one. He's heard that one before. You know, like, just... (laughs) Just talk to him. I, I sometimes, sometimes I do like I picture like I know that one. Just talk to me, you know. Like he just he just wants you to talk to him. And can I just tell you that prayer prayer is not just an event. It's not an event. It's not. I, you don't have to go for the first five hours of the day and lock yourself in a closet and and just like that's not. Is it, prayer doesn't have to be an event. It's a conversation that you have with God. And by the way, you can have it all day long. That's why scripture says, pray without ceasing. It's not an event. It's a conversation. And I think, I was thinking about this. I think young people understand this the best. Because if you're, if you're around, all, all y'all with the, with Snapchat all the time, you're always taking pictures just like of the ceiling and just sending it back and forth to each other. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like, uh, right, you're taking pictures of up your nose and, like, sending them. <laughs> I, I just think it's funny. Like, and that's that's the relationship, right? I mean, it's just, con- it's, it's not even talking about it. Just, like, just back and forth all day long. I tell you, Jesus would love that. <laughs> he would love just to know what's going on. He would love just to be a part of your life in that way. Like, he wants the ceiling pictures, too. You know, like, that. He, <laughs> he wants it. He just wants to communicate with you. Like, and he, like, and it can just be as simple as, "Hey, hey, I just, Lord, I, Jesus, I just, I love you." Like, he'd <laughs> be like, "Well, you know, I, you know, what's the matter?" Like, "Well, I, man, I, Jesus, I'm just, it's, it's Sunday, it's nice, and and tomorrow, I, I've got to go to work tomorrow." <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, just tell him about that. You know, right? Like, just, just talk. Like, <laughs> like, I've got to go back to work tomorrow. Jesus, just help. He wants to know. He just wants just talk to him. Just tell him what's going on. And the Bible says that Jesus is literally, here's, another, here's the other picture. I told you that all the pictures are important. That Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God. Some of us picture Jesus, that's, he is there too. And it says that he's sitting at the right hand of God. And in the book of Revelation, it says that he's sitting there basically mediating for you. Meaning that when you talk to him, that he's he's it, he has God's ear talking to you, talking to God about you, saying, "Hey, hey, Dad. No one needs your help right now, and Dad. I, I remember, I understand what he. I remember the pain that I went through. I understand what he's going through right now. I know how he feels rejected and hurt. And Dad, I understand that. Would you?" Can you, can you help him? I mean, like, like, that's the picture of Jesus. He's for you. Hebrews chapter 4 says, Let us approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And I didn't highlight this, but I wish I would have highlighted it. Because, you know, when, when you go to, when you talk to God, when you go to God with your needs, what are you met with? You're met with mercy grace, and help. And some of you, that's what you need today. You need mercy, grace, and help. And have confidence to go to him and understand that you can receive that because he understands. Number three, my invitation to you as I close is would you trust him with your life? Would you just trust him? Because if our God is really that good, and if he's really that faithful, and if he really loves you as a friend, wouldn't you just hand over the life, your life to him? Wouldn't you just hand over the controls of your life to him and trust him? Psalm 37. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust in him and he'll help you. And so let's pray. Father, today, Lord, we just love you. God, I just thank you for your word, Lord, that brings light into our life. Jesus, we thank you so much for what you did in coming to this earth, Lord. We always thank you for the cross and, Lord, the way that you died for our sins. But Lord, specifically, I thank you for just being able, just just coming to this earth, Lord. Father, I thank you that that you sent your Son to be a human, to be Emmanuel, to be someone who is with us. Jesus, you didn't have to go through the pain. You didn't have to go through any of that. But Lord, I thank you that you did it. And Lord, I thank you that you did it willingly. And Lord, because you went through the, through the pain of this world, Father, I thank you that, you, that, that, that you, you help us to understand it. Jesus, thank you for understanding what we're going through. Jesus, thank you so much. For knowing that when I feel despised and rejected, Lord, I know that you've felt that way too. And Lord, today, because of that, Lord, it qualifies you to be my best friend. And so, Lord, right now, I just pray for our congregation. Lord, I I thank you that their hearts are open to receive from you today. And Lord, there are people in this room who need to make that commitment who need to make Jesus their friend. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would just just go into their hearts right now. Lord, that they would be able to feel your presence. And, Lord, that they would be able to make that commitment to you. Lord, I pray that you would draw our entire church closer to you. Lord, help us to know you as a friend not just some faceless being, but Lord, as a friend who's up close and personal. I love you, Lord. I thank you for it. We pray this in Jesus' name. With your heads bowed, eyes closed, and you know, if you're in this place today and you have never surrendered your life, you've never trusted him with your life, I'm not gonna, I won't close this service without giving you this invitation. Would you hand over the keys of your life, the, the reins of your life over to him and trust him as your friend. Would you commit? Do do what this last scripture says. Commit everything to the Lord. Trust him. And I believe that when you do, he's gonna help you. So if that's you today, maybe you say, Pastor Noah, I just I need to hand over the, hand over the controls of my life to Jesus. I need to make him the Lord of my life. I need to put him in the right place. If that's you today, would you just pray this prayer with me? In fact, church, we all believe it. So just repeat it after me. Say this and say, dear God, thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on the cross in my place. But I believe that you raised him from the dead. Say this, say, Jesus, I make you my Lord. I give you my life. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for forgiving me. And thank you for giving me the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen, amen, amen. Would you clap and welcome those to the family of God this morning?